Welcome everyone to On Podcast, the Microsoft Podcast, where we talk about Microsoft stuff on a podcast. I'm your host today, Cream Anderson. I'm joined by the fun one, David Allen. We've got some gaming news this week, so we're going to have a little fun. Yeah, news was a bit light, interestingly enough, this week, uh, just following the uh, U.S. Uh, holiday of Easter. Uh, but I don't know. I guess they celebrate Easter everywhere in certain places. Anyway, coming off that uh, holiday weekend, uh, we I feel like we had a little bit of news, not a lot, but what little we do have, uh, we we're going to cover today. We're going to start off with our uh, you know opening topic, uh, which is a good one, and then we're going to jump into some headlines where we'll be covering stuff about Microsoft changing the print screen button uh, in the system, which will eventually change it on all keyboards uh, that are built for Windows. We're going to change, tell you where they're going to change it to. We're going to be talking about HoloLens as well and how Windows 11 might be showing up there eventually, uh, if they're even an audience for that. Uh, NVIDIA's new GPU and the prices. Uh, and I might actually briefly talk about uh, Elon Musk buying GPUs for his own AI efforts. Uh, Microsoft Teams updates. we got a few in the, in the barrel, so we'll talk about those coming to you guys who are still fans of Microsoft Teams. Uh, Ubisoft and, and the Xbox consoles are getting even closer, if that's possible. And then we'll be rounding out uh, the rest of our headlines with uh, Microsoft experimenting with uh, handheld gaming, but not in the most convenient way, it seems like. But we'll get into that. Uh, and everything else, but let's start with our opening headline, uh, which was third-party plugins uh, and how they'll be coming to Bing Chat soon. Um, now, this isn't official. Uh, this is just a conversation that was had via Twitter, but it is with an official Microsoft employee. It's actually the company CEO of uh, Bing, uh, and I don't even know how to pronounce his name. Even begin, I think it's Mikhail Parakin. Parakin. I apologize, Mikhail, if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. Uh, but you did have a conversation, a response to someone on Twitter who uh, was actually in another thread uh, where they were kind of praising Memory GPT, which is a new third-party plugin uh, that uses uh, ChatGPT. So not officially Bing, but it uses OpenAI's ChatGPT foundations. And then what it does is it basically uh, keeps a history of all uh, queries and uses that history as a reference point to kind of become more personalized for the uh, user. So if you're you know, constantly asking about Marvel Comics, uh, when the movies are coming out, history of certain characters, things like that, uh, it will start to collect that history and start to tailor some of its responses in conjunction with future queries. So if you're saying, uh, what you know? How old is Tony Stark? And when was his first comic? Uh, and then your next question happens to be about Captain America or the Hulk. Uh, it'll start drawing c connections, saying, "Hey, um, this character in relation to Iron Man is 20 years younger and was brought into the MCU or Marvel's you know comic thread in 1997 or something like that." It's a really cool thing, but uh, as you can imagine. Uh, people want this in, in, you know, a much broader product like Bing Chat. So uh, I believe, I forget who the individual was who brought this to Mikhail's attention. But uh, again, we have the tweet thread um, on our post about it. If you want to go follow it, they were asking, uh, will there be something along this lines coming to Bing Chat? And I believe the official response was stay tuned. So, and we do know that they are working on uh, expanding uh, being chat support of these things because they know that OpenAI, which again is the basic AI neural engine that runs everything, 
is getting requests from everybody too. So as a business sense, it only makes sense for Microsoft to basically allow OpenAI to bring in all the support for these plugins and then work them into their own system so that you could have specialized uh, chat options for all kinds of things that come with being chat. So again, you could have a history version, you could have just a, a specified art version, uh, you could have a specified speech version, which does tr language translations. And maybe you just want a French one to you know all your French queries or whatnot, or the French language. You just want something more more focused than just typing in random uh, queries. What are your thoughts on this? This is just the crack of the door that is getting ready to blow wide open. When we start seeing plugins for this, and I've already seen some in action, and I've already worked with a few on the development side myself, this, this API is very easy to work with. It's very easy to manipulate, and Microsoft and OpenAI are doing the right things to make this where you know, anybody I expect with any day now will be able to pick this up, run with it, integrate it into their software. If you remember, we saw something this week about SwiftKey. That is the um, keyboard app that Microsoft owns. They put a Bing key, a Bing chat key in SwiftKey to where you can access it a little better on your mobile phone. And you may have a headline or something mentioning that later here in the show. but um, this is just, think of what you mentioned there as your history and your browser, your cookies. You know, right now everything is sitting on your PC. Your browser references it when needed. So now think of your Bing chats. They're sitting there. Okay, now they're being collated and used in a similar way of your browsing history and cookies, mind of where you've been, what you've done and what we can tell about you to make him, you know, accessing your information a little easier. And, you know, it will supposedly, I'm sure, get smarter as, as things go on. But I think this is just, we, we've cracked the door. The ocean is getting ready to flood through here in the, in the very near future of what we can do with the API and people making their own software with it. Yeah, I see this as a two-fold approach for Microsoft. Uh, one, it will give them a head start on on their competition. I know that uh, Google mm -hmm. is crafting their own in-house one, and which means that they will probably take a bit more time to incorporate a lot of features. Now, again, I'm not saying that they won't do them, you know, more polished or more cohesively. Uh, you know, we know Apple to do something like that, uh, but uh, this will be turning. OpenAI's ChatGPT into essentially the windows of AI chat bots, essentially. Like you can plug in your stuff into Bing Chat, which would serve as, as Windows and just kind of, you know, full, you know, get all of the work that's been done for Bing Chat and all of the polish and all of the brand recognition from Bing Chat, but all the functionality of your own specified app. And the user gets that as well. The second thing that will be happening is that this is sort of a, it could be a safeguard for anti-competitiveness uh, that could be launched uh, for OpenAI or Bing Chat. Because what you're basically doing is open sourcing all of the functionality of this and you're, you're creating a marketplace essentially uh, for third party people to kind of plug into your own thing. So when the regulators come in saying, hey, you know, we feel like you are squashing competition, uh, you are you know sucking up all the air in the market or the sector they can point to saying hey you know we have all of these 
third-party plugins into our system. Like if you yank us, you yank all of these smaller businesses that are kind of tying into this and what we kind of uh, leech off of essentially. Uh, and it'll be much harder to kind of extract that. Again, I'm not, I don't know how far they're going to go into, you know, essentially creating their own versions of these and then, you know, shutting them down. I, I know businesses do that. I'm not naive to that. But at least on the front of it, the front end of this, you could say as a business, look, we don't have to come up with the memory version for our own being chat. We'll just allow this plugin to do it. We don't have to come up with, with a visualizer version of it. We don't have to come up with a, hist you know, uh, and one that you know surfaces actual historical history like world history and things like that you know we don't have to build all these things we'll just let people plug into our thing and then say that hey we are open to everybody and let them do all the work let them run with it yeah you can have some great experiences now admittedly because they're not you know built by one company they could break they could not be as cohesive they could look visually different and the uis are all over the place but it's you know like i said it's windows like you get used to it well, that's kind of the way an API works anyway. You know, an API is just a foundation for a developer to run with it. They make their own interfaces and whatnot. And like you said, some break, some don't. I will throw this out there for our developer friends that happen to watch our podcast. I have seen it in action in a very, I'm not going to give the name, in a very popular um, web page builder, for example, where the API has already been written, has already been made and interfaced with to where you can be developing a website and you can simply ask the chat bot to make changes to the website right there within inside the builder you type in what you want and you tell it to do it give it about 15 seconds and you literally watch your web page change before your eyes and you know that's just one of the coolest things i've ever seen and the thing is i i got to play with it for about an hour it was well over 95% accurate in most day-to-day -day tasks that a web developer is going to use. And you could watch it generate code in one window, and then you could watch it change your website visually in the other window. And that 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 was just, for me, that was cool. And that's just the start of what we're going to see. Yeah. And again, as we mentioned at the top, this isn't official. He said, stay tuned. And there haven't been any uh, roadmaps that I've been able to find on the internet from Microsoft regarding any kind of functionality, features, or updates, or uh, fixes, anything like that sort of thing for being chat. So um, this is just hopeful optimism uh, with a grain of uh, you know uh, reality with him saying that it stay tuned. Uh, it only makes business sense for us. It makes uh, user sense, practical sense for developers. So you know we expect this kind of thing you know to happen maybe next year that, or you know sometime the following year. But it it is upon the horizon for developers to get their hands into the whole pot of this Bing Chat GPT stuff. With that being said. Let's jump into our headlines for the week. Do you want to start off? Start us, start us off with our first one. I can start us off providing loop still left from there. Thank you, loop. <laughs> All right, folks. We have HoloLens is getting its Windows 11 update, and as we know, after Alex Kipman left the HoloLens group late last year, the future of hololens is in doubt and i think it's still a little bit in doubt we know this update is coming to where you will get a windows 11 interface and you can 
somewhat control your apps with the with visual cues inside of your hololens headset that is supposed to be coming it is now in testing and it is supposed to be coming for a full release sometime in june yeah it's pretty cool um I, again i think we mentioned whoever's still out there in the market for hololens too this has got to be great for you uh, i know that this podcast interviewed one of our uh fans on tiktok who has a whole tiktok dedicated to hololens uh we haven't followed up with him since the uh news and announcement uh maybe we'll have him back bring him back on and see what his thoughts are as far as ar vr uh hololens hololens 2 and windows 11 is a feature of that uh but for those of you who are out there that are excited about this that happen to have it set i can only give you the thumbs up saying like hey this is at least at least we know that there's is still work being done uh, with whatever skeleton crew is still left within Windows to do it. Uh, I'm going to be talking about the print key, print screen key in Windows is getting a change, a slight change. It's not a, it's not a huge overall. They're not getting rid of it, but the way that it interacts will now go from launching in an actual print screen window that allows you to kind of crop out or cover or highlight whatever it is you need to do uh, to just launching the app now. It's kind of a step backwards, in my opinion, for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually, uh, and when I say the app, I mean the snipping tool by default. So uh, what used to be, you know, used to be able to do and what was programmed into every keyboard for Windows is a print screen button. Super convenient. Press the button uh, and it pops up the, you know, UI for a print screen. Covers the entire screen. You're allowed to crop out what you need. And then it'll bring up the uh, snipping tool app to let you kind of do any other altercations you need for it or uh, any kind of saving that you want to do afterwards, after the fact. This new functionality uh, that's being implemented for Windows will now have you launching the uh, snipping tool from the print screen button, which then you can start a new snipping tool uh, interaction, which will bring up the, the, the screen that we're all kind of acquainted with. Uh, what are your thoughts about this added step or backwards I get what I, I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to make the snipping tool and everything work cohesively, but that one print screen feature is kind of like you said. I think it's one step forward, two steps back. I think you know that is kind of the one feature that has been on every keyboard since the dawn of time, and you've always hit print screen. And then you've always opened up your app, whether it be Word or whatever, and pasted, and voila, you had whatever you did right there quick. You know, it was quick, it was easy. Now, I will say that my new keyboard made by Logitech does have a snipping tool button on it that Windows automatically programmed when I plugged in the keyboard. So, you know, maybe that's the direction they're headed but I, I i don't know about this changing the whole print screen you're, you're going back 30 years easily i mean i remember i remember doing print screen in windows 3.1 if i if i'm gonna tell how old i am you could do <laughs> it in windows 3.1 using the clipboard mm-hmm. you know no, no, so I, agree. I, I i don't think this is the the right move but i guess some of us old folks have to modernize ourselves a little bit yeah, now that we've gassed at you and got you fired up and angry at Microsoft, let's bring it back <laughs> down, bring the temperature down just a bit by saying that uh, two things. One, 
this is being tested. This isn't official. This isn't, you know, Microsoft saying this will happen. Uh, but we do, as you said, have some hints that, you know, they are building hardware with different uh, titled keys. So maybe, you know, they, you know, Logitech knows something that we don't. Uh, so again, it's just testing. Uh, and two, this is Microsoft. So it gives you 5,000 different ways to kind of play with the settings. And fortunately, you can actually go back to the old settings um, where you can just have uh, pressing the snip, pressing print screen button brings up the snipping uh, action altogether. The you know print screen with the uh, ability to crop without having to open up the app itself. Uh, if you're like me and you already have that set in place, this won't change it. Um, but if you know you know they decide to roll it out in Windows 11 next update or Windows 12, uh, it probably will be on by default, which means you'll have to go into settings and change it back to allow uh, print screen to just function as the uh, a print screen cropping to, uh, action versus the app itself. So again, uh, nothing's changed just yet. They're testing it. This is a possibility, uh, but there will be ways to get out of it or go back to uh, normal. You just have to know about it. What's our and next I, headline? I think, oh, I think that's key. I think that's key is. Oh yeah. I, I've seen multiple things mentioned on other other websites and on Twitter as well. You know all this you know new things we're doing some of us old folks are looking the way back you know and yeah. i think it's important that you know microsoft go ahead and modernize the heck out of it if you want to do it the new way but allow make sure there's always a way back where you can and where it makes sense for some of the old school folks to get back to doing it the old way Agreed. but well, let me jump into our next headline here we've got let's see let's do a little graphics card fun we have nvidia has a lot is launching the rtx 4070 on the 13th which was yesterday and they're doing that for 5.99 so i guess we're not going to see crazy gpu prices and maybe things are returning somewhat back to normal but now there's a little bit of controversy over the 4070 because for those that don't follow nvidia launched the 4080 and the 4090 first now as we know those are significantly priced higher that the 4070 is supposed to be the current 3060 replacement and you know people kind of ask well where does the 4060 go and you know that's a whole other discussion for another day but nvidia is saying look the 4070 is more in line to be the 3060 replacement and fans are saying hey there's not a big enough gap between the 30 series and the 40 series now we do have new ai in the 40 in the 40 series and an update to d dlss3 to use ai to better help you upscale your games as you're playing so for example if your hardware is capable of a 1080 game you may be able to use DLSS3 and some of the new AI involved. Yes, that term AI is back to upscale to say 1440p and you're doing this on the fly. So if you're playing, let's say Call of Duty, for example, and you're not in a firefight, you may not see DLSS doing all that much, but if you get in a firefight to where your system needs more resources dlss will kick in and try to help you upscale your experience to kind of take away from the fact that you're needing more resources 
Uh, that's awesome. Uh, I would say run out and get them now uh, because yes. I don't know. I think this story was written about what two days ago, and I believe yes. within the last forty-eight hours, Elon Musk has ordered around ten thousand GPUs to power Twitter's new AI project. So who knows uh, how that could affect the prices uh, going over this weekend and into next week and going forward. Um, and again, who knows know. what he's going to do with them is the next thing. Yeah, I don't know what the uh, stock is like or you know what they're going to be doing. I'm just saying at this price, they're relatively, uh, or they're reasonably priced uh, for now. Uh, yeah, but he are. is running a project. Ironically, uh, he had asked the entire community of AI uh, developers and things like that to take a pause. And I wonder if he knew that he wanted to take a pause knowing he was going to buy 10,000 of them to start his own AI project for Twitter. Regardless, uh, go out there and get it. It sounds like it's uh, a pretty good replacement with a lot of new features. Uh, I don't know how the cooling is going to work for these in new boxes. Uh, I haven't heard anything about it just yet, but uh, I'm sure there's stuff out on the internet if you guys want to check that kind of stuff out. Uh, I'm going to be moving on to some Teams updates. Uh, the first one being uh, Teams will be getting an improved search experience in chat and channel soon. Uh, according to Microsoft 365 Roadmap, Microsoft is working towards launching an improved search experience in Teams. Uh, Microsoft highlights that the new search experience will allow users to search in a specific chat or channel and reach relevant uh, results faster. The results will appear in the right handrail so you can stay in the flow of your work. So it looks like they'll be opening up a new pane while you're in uh, in your chat. So you have like maybe a dual screen so that you can continue going through, you know, you can stay up to date with the chat while also looking at, you know, references that people might be saying or making uh, throughout that conversation. Enhancements uh, like highlighted keywords will make it easier for users to scan the results. So I think they're going to bring the, uh, what is it, uh, the find function, essentially, uh, where you can highlight that kind of stuff uh, as well into the search part. Uh, the features tag uh, 122550, uh, it's in the Microsoft roadmap and expect to start rolling out to users in June. Uh, in related news, Microsoft has also announced that it's using uh, announced a set of usability improvements coming to, uh, together mode in Teams. Uh, I don't know what those usability uh, accessibility uh, features are, but uh, you can go to our site. I'm sure we've read up on that. Uh, the other thing that I want to mention that I do know about is Teams adding profanity filtering controls for live captions, <laughs> <laughs> which is necessary, I think, for uh, those are for the people who may be hearing impaired or you know just like not having to uh, have you know people yelling at them through their uh conference meetings they can just like read everything uh luckily with the newly introduced uh, profanity filtering and live captions of teams meeting users can control the type of text or words that feature in the live captions of their team's meetings uh according to microsoft with the newly introduced toggle for turning on or off profanity filters as live captions in teams meetings you are not able to control whether you want to continue to, to leverage the profanity filtering capability provided out of the box or if you prefer to see every word as they are spoken. So again, I don't know who's having profane-laden uh, business conversations, but if you have a boss who uh, happens to be very upset with the quarterly results and uses some colorful language, uh, you'll be able to toggle uh, exactly which words uh, this boss may use quite frequently and shut them down or toggle it all off together. And maybe, I don't know if they do like a funny, like, you know, uh, symbols instead, or if it's just a blank space, but uh, you'll have access to that. Uh, and I think in order to access this feature, you have to go to settings, then go into more settings, go into captions and, and transcription, and then slide the filter profane words and meetings uh, toggle off or on. So those are some cool 
fun new consumer facing features coming to teams that you guys might uh, like to hear about what do you think that that's a place that you know to be honest man i'm gonna have to say i hadn't really i hadn't thought about censoring profanity and <laughs> conversations and but but i guess you know if microsoft is implementing it then there's definitely a need for it you know they have obviously seen enough feedback to say hey this is something we need to look into and then the question also becomes somebody out there is going to ask what does microsoft consider profanity or inappropriate so that's something else to consider you know is that this is a group of is this a filter that they have that they're going to have and they're going to control or do the team administrators have access to the filters do the end users have access so you know look at it in a fun way guys next time your boss like kareem said is upset with the quarterly results just kind of watch the screen it'll it it, it, it will take care of itself <laughs> yeah. yeah to your point uh, i'm hoping that uh people who like to use it or will engage with it will also be engaging with the feedback uh, community because uh to your point there may be things that uh many of us don't consider profanity but others do uh, and would like to have an option to uh, filter that out so you have to let them know uh, again we might be saying four letter words and there might be things that are you know a little more uh a nuanced that you would like to have in there so reach out to the feedback team and let them know uh what else you got for us well, I got one for us. We have finally got the Ubisoft and or the Ubisoft Plus and the Xbox marriage has finally tied the knot. You can access Ubisoft Plus service right now through your Xbox console. Now, keep in mind, it's not a part of Game Pass. It is an extra subscription. It is $17.99 a month. So if you're Ouch. pocketbook, yeah, that's what I said when we were talking about it. I think that's a little expensive but if you're a big assassin's creed fan i fought far, far cry you like the uh, ghost recons the rainbow sixes then you know maybe 17.99 is worth it to you but you know one way to look at this is if it was bundled into game pass this money has to be recovered some way so if you're not a ubisoft fan and your game pass subscription goes up then you're upset but if you are a ubisoft fan and your game pass subscription only went up say five bucks a month for example you're not all that upset i'm okay with it being separate i would like to see maybe 14.95 i don't want to you know short ubisoft but if you look at it you're paying i believe the Game Pass Ultimate is $16.99 a month plus tax, so that's another $20. So you're looking at, let's call it $40, bucks, folks. Let's call it right at $40 bucks for your subscription. Now, $40 bucks a month for gaming doesn't sound too bad, but it kind of leads, for me, it leads to subscription burnout because you've got your Xbox, your Netflix, your Hulus, and, you know, so everything going subscription, you got to watch the pocketbook a little closer. Yeah, uh, to your point, uh, watching your pocketbook, uh, I'm going to look at it from an optimistic lens. Uh, yeah, $17.99 is nothing to uh, jeer at or whatever or raise your nose to. Uh, it is expensive. Um, but as to your point, uh, for 40 bucks, in case you have both the subscription plus uh, Xbox uh, 
Game Pass Ultimate or whatever. Uh, it's 40 bucks to play a game and again, completed. So if you are one of the kind of people that are able to play an Assassin's Creed and beat it in a month, then you've paid 40 bucks versus the 70. Mm-hmm. Just look at it that way. And you are also able to access uh, what other games are on Ubisoft or Microsoft uh, Xbox uh, Game Pass at the time. So if you you know are running through uh, Far Cry 6, plus you want to play a little Halo on the side, you're doing that for 40 bucks a month. And when you're done with Watch Dogs or Far Cry or the Crew 2 or anything like that, uh, in the in the subscription, pause it, cancel it, whatever you want to do, save yourself for the next three or four months that that four, that 17.99, and wait for another game that you want to play that jumps onto the Ubisoft thing. I think that's what we're kind of all starting to kind of figure out with these subscription things is, you know, if there aren't shows on HBO or I guess Max now, whatever they want to call it, if there aren't shows that I want to see in the month. Then I pause the subscription. I cancel it, whatever, uh, because I'm not going to spend $9.99 to not watch something for a month. I know that that's what they're banking on, but you have to be diligent about it, and you can save yourself money. I think uh, if you are sometimes like myself, a little bit lazy, that's where they get you, and that's where you start to hurt, and that's where you get some of this subscription burnout. But if you are uh, perhaps like David or other people who are more diligent, saying like, you know what, I'm not using it, cancel it for now, and I'll get my money's worth three months from now when they release a new game or release a new show or release something that I'm going to be engaging with, that's where subscription services show their true value. And I'll be honest, you're right, Kareem. That's it. I, you know, I'm that, I'm that user. If, you know, I'll get, I'll give a service a month, you know, I will give it 30 days. If somebody gets an extra 30 days out of me, then you know, they, my view is they probably deserved it from the last 60 days or 90 days that I have paid for and, and enjoyed it. But I'm not going to sit here and pay for two, three, four months for service, whether it be Max or any other streaming service or streaming service or on demand out there that I'm not using. I mean, the only one I pay for religiously is Xbox. I mean, that's, you know, that come that's paid first of every month i mean you know i use that i enjoy it so you know remember that folks you do have the ability to log into xbox.com on your phone on your computer and you can toggle these subscriptions off very easily i've had to learn to use my notes apps Uh, there are a billion of them folks use your notes apps set a date set a reminder uh preferably before your card's charged again uh because it'll save you uh, I used to go and just subscribe and think I know the update or what is coming in through. And then, you know, next thing I know, I get a text message saying, oh, thanks for your your money. And I'm like, whoa, 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 I was going to cancel you two months ago. I totally forgot. So notes apps are your friend in the streaming age. And, and the other trick, the other trick, uh, a lot of streaming services use this. If your bill is due on the 14th, a lot of times they will charge. And I'm going to say this re- loosely. They will show that they charge the card on the 14th and the payment goes through at 12.01 on the 15th. I have fallen victim to that with a few places. So make sure you back your subscription up a couple days and make sure you're doing your checks or you may end up giving them that extra month not intending to. I'm sure Microsoft hates us for that kind of info, at least for Xbox. Uh, with that being <laughs> said, uh, we're getting into our last headline, uh, and this is more gaming. Uh, we have a, a gaming-filled podcast today. Hopefully, you guys enjoy it. Uh, Microsoft is experimenting with Windows 11 on handheld gaming, not just uh, Xbox, uh, surprisingly enough. And instead of 
doing what we all thought they would do is bring Xbox UI over to handheld gaming. They're bringing in full Windows. And I believe that's because things like the NVIDIA Shield and the Asus, whatever that thing is what called. Is, yeah, ROG something. It's Rod, white colors, all that. Legacy, know. yeah, yeah, that thing. Uh, they use full-on operating systems. So Microsoft's uh, experimenting, or at least a hacker. This Again, this isn't official Microsoft. A hacker uh, within Microsoft uh, has considered developing the handheld version for Windows 11. There's a video about it. Uh, we have it in our write-up. You can find the video on Twitter. Uh, I believe you can go... Uh, the user that we usually get our stuff from is H0X0D. Uh, so you can follow that on Twitter if you want to. Uh, and he'll have the video for it. I believe it's about three and a half minutes long and explains what the Windows handheld mode is, which is basically a tablet optimized version of Windows 11 on the screen, but uh, it's you're able to control it with uh, the same pointer system that is used in Xbox. So it's just easier to kind of scroll across menus at the bottom, uh, menus around the side, uh, because you know some of these handhelds have touch, but most of the time you're holding it with the directional pad and AB uh, buttons or you know X, whatever the letter buttons are labeled to kind of navigate your selections and things like that. You're not using a mouse, which is what Microsoft, uh, I believe Windows is originally intended for. Um, we see the other thing is that uh, it's using a modified version of Windows 11, which is akin to what we saw for the leaks for Windows 12. So whoever this hacker is within Windows, uh, the Windows uh, development team uh, is testing it with what we believe will be the future of Windows 11, I mean, Windows 12. Uh, and what it is is basically uh, there's a search bar at the top of the screen uh, that's embedded. Uh, looks like the you know search bar that's in the taskbar. They just took it out and put it at the top of the screen for, you know, to always have at the desktop. Uh, the uh, edges of the sides of the taskbar have been reduced, so it kind of floats similar to uh, the dock, I believe, in Mac OS. Uh, so those are just some of the changes that we expect to see with whatever version of Windows 12 comes out, I believe, the end of next year. Uh, but, you know, what are your thoughts on putting Windows 11 on a Steam Deck, which again, I believe uses a version of Windows, which isn't very optimized. I think we're headed in that way because I was watching just last night on some YouTube channels, looking at some of the um, less known name brands and even unknown name brands and home brews of these things. And I actually saw one that was running a version of Windows that had a USB-C cable plugged in and the person was was using it as a dock for their PC and just had it plugged in and was using it as a PC. So, you know, before we go all the way down the gaming road as to why Microsoft should or shouldn't create the Xbox hands, you know, the, the handheld and kind of ties in to the video we saw this week when Phil Spencer was announcing that Xbox game pass was coming to 40 more countries the the keystone that has been behind him the little white box that's been behind him in a few of these videos you know people have said well you know maybe the streaming box is coming maybe this you know maybe maybe they're coming out with the xbox streaming box for cloud gaming i don't think the streaming box is coming they have partnered with various tv makers and they're integrating the software in the right ways I'm not sure that a handheld isn't coming. They are keeping tabs on what the Steam Deck is doing. There's the Logitech G Cloud out there. There is the Razer, I believe it's, I don't know the name. I call it the Razer 5G. 
that has access to cloud gaming. So, you know, I'm on the fence. There's another popular podcaster that says heck no to this. I kind of get it. But at the same time, I think there's also a market for the folks that just want to pick it up and play. And, you know, they don't want the phone. They don't want any other third party. They just want to pick it up and play. I think of the old Nintendo Game Boy, the Sony PSP. You know, maybe we're seeing a modern, you know, something coming back. Yeah, I think that, uh, again, I would uh, hope to, you know, this is going to be trenching some old uh, stuff from Microsoft, but I want them to make a Windows 8 version for gaming, essentially, if that makes any sense. Uh I see where you're going with that. I think that they're branding, like you said, people just want to pick it up and play for the most part. And then there are people who use the NVIDIA Shield. Uh, and know all the tweaks behind a Windows setting, and you know to get the to squeeze the most juice out of their performance, things like that. But there are many who just want the form factor, and I believe that this would be the best way that Microsoft can do their branding of Xbox versus Windows on handheld. Because if it crashes or anything like that, they're going to blame Windows, and Windows is associated with Microsoft. It just becomes a big mess. But if it's gaming, it, it should be Xbox, and I believe that the front end should be whatever version of the UI that Xbox has. I think think people should be able to do that if, you know, they're going to have the tiles that have, you know, the PC version of the games or the console set version of the games. It should just be easy to navigate left, up, down, left, right. That's all you need to be able to do with this. And if you want to get into the settings, you can flip over, you can find the setting that brings up the desktop that is Windows 12 that's been pared down and and, and optimized for touch, but allows you to go in and, uh, you know, put in the f-sync and all these other things that you need to in order to get your game or get the settings for streaming if you want uh that way but the front end should be xbox and i believe that it should be that should be the first thing people see uh and then that the optimized version of windows 12 is just icing on the cake for anybody who needs to dig deeper into the settings if that makes sense it does and something i would i would that you touched on there i would kind of add to it it needs to be something that when something goes wrong, just like the old handheld what handhelds were even 10 years ago, the user simply flips the switch, turns it off, turns it back on, it starts over. There is no, hey, the operating system did this, we need you to do this. Sure, like you said, we want that option there for people like you and I to go squeeze the, you know, squeeze the orange, get the rest of his juice out. But it needs to be turned, you know, hey, it went wrong or hey, my game froze up or, you know, my Wi-Fi went down, which locked the machine up. Turn it off, turn it on, you know, resume your experience. Don't make it difficult. Microsoft, if you're going to do it. If you're thinking about it, I don't think you put this in there for Windows 12 just for people to look at. You know, I think you're thinking about it. So if you're going to do it, make it simple. You've done it with the Xbox. You know how to do it. Just put it in, put it in the small form factor and call it what it is. Give the Steam Deck a run for its money because I know that's what you're after. I think it'd be great. Uh, Microsoft, you can contact either of us via Twitter. Uh, what would be your uh, contact that they can reach out to you? David PAJ1978. If they want to talk about it, I'll give them plenty of input. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, hopefully he's charging because that's what I'll be doing. Uh, you can find me at Mindhead1 on Twitter as well. Uh, for any of the uh, uh, news uh, stories that we covered or any more details about any other things uh, that happened throughout the week that we haven't covered, go visit on Microsoft.com. Uh, you can visit our Twitter as well for any of the shorthand stuff. Uh, we do have a Mastodon for those of you who are still figuring out how to run servers. You can find us over there as well. Uh, we want to thank you guys for hanging out with us for another week. Uh, we will see you next week with more news. Uh, got any last words or anybody? That's it, folks. Have a good weekend. Go out there, get that Ubisoft membership, and uh, sit down and have some fun. And then immediately cancel once you're done. Enjoy exactly. your weekend. <laughs>